Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Wisdom's Echo, a daily podcast by Origin Gate. My name is Elijah Ward, and I have the honor of sharing an insight today. You know, I want to share for a few minutes about what the Lord's been speaking to me as it relates to love. You know, there's never been a better time, I feel, in all of history, especially um, with the, you know, everything that's been going on in our world, to really embody and to put into practice and to rehearse and to even legislate the action and the function and the essence of love. And, you know, I just believe that there exists a, a means by which we can access realms of, of peace by simply governing the record of who we are and, and choosing to maintain records of love and records of peace and records of forgiveness, even when it seems harmful or counterintuitive, when it doesn't make sense, and when we feel like we owe it to ourselves to refuse to accept um, the wrongdoings or the actions of others that might bring us harm or offense, to choose love in that and to choose um, to elevate yourself to a higher standard and really project and permeate the culture around you with the essence of love. Um, I believe that's a major key to seeing a breakthrough for the kingdom of Yahweh in the earth today. Because simply put, love holds no record of wrong. And this is something I've been hearing Yahweh say to me so much lately. Um, as I drive, as I work, as I teach as I engage with my family, um, I just continue to hear Yahweh whisper to me um, a, a kind of a, a memory of a scripture that I've read before that you might be familiar with. It says, love keeps no record of wrong. Love, the essence of love, the identity of who I am, he says, is so um, it's so dense. Love is so far-reaching and it's so unending and it's so almost reckless in his pursuit of who we are that he would be willing to allow love to overlook things that would bring other people offense and that would that would be harmful. That would be um, that would be something that you're justified in holding against somebody. Love chooses to overlook that. Love, the love of Yahweh chooses to look past things and maintain records of love and peace when there could be justifiable records of wrongdoings and evil. Um, and so I just want to read this scripture to you really fast and, and share a couple things that, that, that Yahweh's been showing me. But in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, I just want to read uh, this very familiar scripture. Uh, a lot of people have heard this before. Uh, it says this, starting in, in verse 4, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. And it does not keep a record of wrongs. To continue to give you some more context here, it says, Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The key word there being endures all things. It says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, 
the partial will come to an end. And so this passage really tells the story about how if we don't have love, if we can function in all these different seats of authority and power and and these um, these different uh, expressions of Yahweh's power in the earth that belongs to the sons of Yahweh and that we're responsible for manifesting in our now moment, in this culture, in this, in the earth, in the current state that it's currently in, um, if we can manifest all these things, but we can't bring ourselves to love somebody beyond what they've done to us, then we really have nothing. And I want to point out this, that the word, so there's a word there that that's used in Greek for that phrase to keep a record or to take into account. Love takes no account of evil or wrongdoings. That's um, the reference there in the Strongs is, is G3049, 3049, and the word is lagizomai. And it means essentially to create an account. Some, it's a very, it describes an actual physical account or to count over or to reconcile something, to create a place and to prepare a capacity to house memories and records of wrongdoings. Almost like it's you're weighing and you're meditating on and you're determining and you're judging and you're deciding based on the record that you contain within yourself of somebody else's wrongdoings. And, you know, I've got a lot of practical experience in the workplace um, in the area of finance and accounting. And so I know better than most people that when you create an account, you're actually um, with expectation, you're creating that account because you're, 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 you're going to utilize it to, to house certain things. It could be assets. It could be liabilities. It could be debts. Um, and so when you create an account, like this word is used, to, to take into account wrongdoings or to create a place to house the memory of wrongdoings, you're literally expecting for somebody to have to pay you back for something or, 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 to, or to make things right to you in the future. But what scripture's saying here is that you just, that love just doesn't even create that record, that you're not even holding somebody liable to return back to you, recommend for the ways that they've wronged you by, you know, you're not holding someone liable to to give you something good in return for the things that they gave you bad. It's literally saying you don't even create a record to hold those things. Now, the root word in lagizomai, I thought was really interesting. The root word in that um, in that word is actually, it means literally a word someone has spoken, specifically a living being or the sayings of God. And a couple of examples that are used um, in this, the Strong's reference is G3056. Um, the word is logos. And a lot of you have probably heard of that word too, um, possibly. It's used very often to describe the word of God, the logos. It speaks of a decree or or a mandate or an executive order. And an example given in, uh, in the Strong's is like the Old Testament. That is a logos. It is a decree. It is the record of a word spoken, a living word. Um, Another example is when John the Beloved uh, speaks of Yeshua at the beginning of the Gospel of John, he calls him the Word of God, the Logos. And, And so essentially what this phrase is saying is that when you create a record of wrongdoing you're literally cre- you're taking someone's word and you're recording it as though it were a living word that is going to increase and bear fruit and so 
um, oftentimes it's used to refer to facts. And so, you know, to deal strictly with reality, the other times that it's used in scripture, an example being like money in an account or just any kind of tangible evidence. You don't create an account and, 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 and take a factual situation, something that actually happened, something that really did happen, that is observable, that you have evidence to support the ways that you were wronged in any kind of way. Um, love chooses and refuses to create an account of that and instead to create a memory and I, I believe to really rewrite the script internally and maintain a record of love so that you have an expectation of peace and good things. Um, there's actually, uh, when you consider records, speaking of records, really a record is just data. Essentially, when you maintain a record, you're utilizing available space within yourself to house certain um, certain data. It's like you're storing content. And I read this article recently that said, um, you know, the smallest amount of information available um, as a datum, which is the singular word for data, um, is an answer, a yes or no answer, or a true or false question. And so we see this, this is why computers speak a binary language, because the most simplified means of communication to create data is one and zero, true and false. And so computers use eight bits as their kind of unit of computation. It's called a byte. But a human's genetic code, the memory inside of us, the record of our living being, um, contains a sequence of four molecules. It's represented by the letters A, T, G, and C. You might remember that from, uh, you know, from... From middle school science, the, the four bases or, or the nucleotides found in DNA, which is adenine, thymine, cytosine, and, and guanine, I believe. Um, but each of these are encoded with two bits of binary information. Uh, so it's either 0, 0, 1, 0, 1, 1, or 0, 1. And so when you multiply that by six, the six billion letters or nucleotides that make up one, a, one um, kind of component of genetic code and divide that by eight bits per byte, um, it, it works out to about 1.5 gigabytes of data contained within um, each cell in the human body. So when you think about that, the fact that there's one and a half gigabytes of data inside a single cell of, of our being, and then you consider how many cells make up our entire body, that is a lot of data. There's a lot of capacity within the, the technology of the human genome and the technology of all of our being to maintain records. So, um, so we can maintain records of whatever we choose. We can, we can choose to go through life and hold on to every single record of when we were wronged, when we were offended, when we were um, even good records, when we were celebrated, when we were loved, when, when we created certain memories with certain people that left certain impacts on who we are and how we view the world around us, how we express ourselves in the culture around us. We can choose to maintain any record that we so, that, that we so desire or, and, and oftentimes that we unintentionally maintain. We've got to be intentional about the records we maintain. And scripture, I love how scripture says, 
And, and when you look into the original language it was written and how it continues to tell that story that when that love keeps no record of wrongdoings. And the reason why is because when you maintain that record for long enough and you build yourself, you essentially start building the framework of who you are. Instead of it being records of love and records of peace and records of forgiveness, records of the expression of God's divinity within the framework of our own humanity, we begin to build within ourselves records of wrongdoings and we become those records. Whatever you maintain, whatever you become, or or, or I'll I'll even say, use this word, whatever you ingest, whatever external influence moves you to an offense or, or, or when you're actually wronged and there's physical evidence, the word in scripture speaks about facts. When there's a fact and a truth that is observable and, and maybe even other people think you, other people will even tell you you're in the right and you didn't do anything wrong and and they wronged you and you're justifiable in your anger and it's righteous indignation and all that stuff when we choose to maintain a record of that wrongdoing we're choosing to become and to expect and to frame up a, a an inferior reality to what our scroll is speaking and um and I just love this scripture. It essentially is saying that love doesn't take any account. It doesn't store any memory. It doesn't maintain a record of ways that he is wronged. Even when the wrongdoing is factual, when it's evidenced, when it's observable, when it's inarguable, when anger is fully justified, love still chooses to overlook. It reminds me of a scripture in Proverbs that says, that love covers an offense. Love seeks to cover, actually is what it says, that, uh, that love would seek, would seek out, would intentionally choose to cover an offense as opposed to uh, um, exposing it and speaking it. And then the follow-up verse says that, um, that lo- it says, love ch- seeks to cover an offense, but he who um, repeats a matter seeks to separate close friends. And so when you choose to take that offense and instead of allowing love to cover and uh, uh, love to cover a multitude of sins and to choose not to, to maintain that record of wrongs, that you're, that you're essentially seeking division. You're seeking a, um, a wedge being driven into the beauty of the fellowship. And, and that's not good. So, you know, this has really been speaking to me as like a, a formula for the effective ministry of the word of Yahweh in the earth. For us to have revelation is good. For us to be spiritual and to express that spirituality and to lay hold of the technology of heavenly revelation and bring it into the earth and allow ourselves to really be seated in that Romans 8 um, liberty that awakens everything in the world around us. For us to do that, we have to have love. We have to embody love. We have to become love in the earth. Our life has to be a gospel of love. And that means that we're going to have to keep no record of the ways that we're wronged. You know, um, 1 Peter 2.19 is so good. It is so good. It says this, For this is a gracious thing, that when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. And we see this pattern throughout Scripture, especially 
in the life and the ministry of Yeshua, our Messiah. He is the king of allowing love to move him to cover sins when other, um, when it, when it's actually human wisdom would move us to expose it. He chooses a divine wisdom, a godly wisdom that sees the end from the beginning and knows that the path to awakening the world around us is by choosing a love that is so reckless and so counterintuitive that it saturates the heart and creates a place for Yahweh's goodness to move in and to really inhabit those that um, under any other circumstance, they wouldn't have had a chance. So, you know, I really believe and and I've been just feeling it inside of me that, that, you know, the greatest, um, if you want to call it evangelical force, that's cool. You know, I, I, I think the word evangelical is thrown around very, um, uh, you know, very recklessly. Um, but it, I think the greatest force in the earth for Yahweh to really inhabit hearts, to really take own or, or to really claim the souls that he died for is for us to really allow love to just overtake us so he can reach through and grab hold of those um, that, that, that he died to save. So this is the word. This is the... The, 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 the revelation that's been moving me to really seek out the transformation that will enable me to be a, 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 a key function of the kingdom in the earth. A, I want to be on the forefront. I want to be on the cutting edge of the word of Yahweh that's piercing the earth today. And, uh, and this is a major piece of what he's speaking to me. So I, I pray that this, this message blesses you, that it ministers to you. As I minister to the Father in this podcast, I pray that it ministers to you and that it gives you the counsel and the wisdom and, 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 and the really the tools necessary to apply in your actual life with your actual relationships in order to see miraculous things take place. So I just declare blessings to you in heaven and on earth forever and ever. Glory to glory. Amen.